Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. In the debate about Star Trek versus Star Wars, I have to admit that I come down on the side of Star Trek. It's not that I don't enjoy Star Wars, but I find the humanity focus of Star Trek much more appealing. And there are two particular characters that are relevant to today's show. Mr. Spock, who's the half-human, half-Vulcan character from the original show, and Mr. Data, the android from Star Trek The Next Generation. Now, Mr. Spock is a good example of the disdain that our society holds for emotions. He tries his best to reject the idea that emotions serve any purpose and only show weakness. And much of our society seems to agree with him. Now, Mr. Data, on the other hand, longs to experience the one thing that he can never have, real emotions. He wants to love and experience joy for real, not just do a poor imitation of them. So whose side do you come down on? Well, whichever it is, my guest, Dr. Holly Parker, a psychologist in private practice and lecturer at Harvard University, has something to say about emotions and their place in our lives. So, Holly, thanks for coming back on the show and talking about what seems to be this, you know, kind of age-old dilemma we all seem to be in about do emotions, are emotions real? Do they matter? Why? <laughs> it's like, ah! <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much, Leslie, for having me on your show. It's such a pleasure and an honor to be back on, and I'm just delighted to connect with you and your listeners. So, again, thank you for having me, and thank you for, for listening and, and for addressing this important topic, right? There, there's so much, um, so many mixed messages that we get um, around emotions, and I, I love the the contrast that you that you had um, between Spock and Data. We we really do um, have these uh, divergent reactions, and a lot of us do tend to uh, to go on the side of Spock, which is understandable and <laughs> at the same time unfortunate, <laughs> and also problematic. So because you know, and and part of the reason why I got you back is because you wrote a piece for Psychology Today website called "The Irony of Emotional Acceptance." <laughs> yes, and. Which is a really interesting title. I thought, okay, well, I've got to read this. Um, you know, so what actually is the – here I'm going to give you, like, the, like, overall question of explain the universe in five words or less. But what is the biggest misconception most people have about emotions? The, the biggest misconception um, that people have about emotions, um, especially negative emotions, is that they're problematic or counterproductive. And so we think that, uh, you know, we need to admonish ourselves uh, for having them. We need to try to make them go away. But the, the irony of emotional acceptance is, is that actually um, when we do that, when we beat up on ourselves and we try to make emotions, uh, negative especially, uh, go away, we actually get more of the very thing that we don't want. And ironically, if we can get to a place of accepting uh, the emotions that we don't want and to recognize that this is, they're a part of human life, that they're universal, um, we actually have less of the very thing that we want. Um, and it can actually help us to address them um, and to manage them more. Yeah, I'm having this thought running through my head about, you know, when you, when you talk about that, you know, 
they're human. It's like, well, no, they're not. They're useless. They just get in the way. And, you know, why, why is it any – no, they're just, we just need to be rational, and there's no place for emotions. And, you know, come on, we can, you know, we can just figure this out. That's, you know, I, I love that you say that, too, because it, it really is a very common uh, conception. Um, in, in our language, we even, we even uh, have this uh, dichotomy that, that many of us use, right, that we can, we can talk about being emotional versus being rational, and who doesn't want to be rational, right? But as you said, right, we, we, can, we can think this out. We can feel like the, um, the answer out of an emotion is, is to um, try to make it go away and to try to just go up into our heads and Again, it's it's um, an, an understandable uh, idea. The the challenge is that um, if we treat uh, emotions as irrational, um, then we've now tagged them uh, as um, mm-hmm. you know with a very loaded label. Um, it becomes something that then, uh, if we think about the the implications of that, then that implies that emotions don't make sense, right? That they aren't connected to reality. Um, We might even think, well, gosh, is there something, if they're irrational and I'm having them, then maybe that means I'm crazy or there's something wrong with me for having them, when in fact uh, that's certainly not true. And and if anything, actually, um, there's uh, lots of evidence that emotions um, can be and are very grounding in terms of helping decision making, um, so so the idea of contrasting them with um, uh, being rational, um, <laughs> you know, just doesn't doesn't have merit. Well, I mean, and for me, it's always, you know, I, I was using those examples of mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Block and Mr. Davis <laughs> perfectly because you know my whole thing is you know we we all like there there are many people who like this black white yes no nature mm-hmm. nurture you right. know emotions logic it's like okay stop it's it's not an either either or it has to be a both and and that's what makes it all so messy and I think that's why people really like I don't want to do this Uh, you know and I get that and you're calling them negative and I I don't do that I call them the harder emotions the Mm -hmm. hard ones because you know nobody has a problem with joy or happiness or love or you know anything that's on the you know, <laughs> the easier side of the spectrum. It's it's the other ones. It's the hurt, the fear, the frustration, the anger, you know, the, the ones that, the grief, the stuff that makes us feel icky that we don't want to have. Absolutely. And in, and in fact, actually, in, in most of the time, right, that's, that's the case. There actually are, um, there actually are circumstances where, believe it or not, people, people can view uh, joy or love as being the ones that they don't want, um, potentially, that that can happen. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it can happen where um, if, if somebody, you know, love may feel scary, it may feel threatening, right? It may mm-hmm. feel weak or joy. Someone um, can be threatened by joy because they may feel like, well, gosh, if, you know, if I feel joy, if I let myself feel this, then what happens when the inevitable fall comes, right? And so it feels a lot less scarier to fall from a one-foot wall, right, if you set your emotions <laughs> low, right, than from a 10-foot wall. But you're absolutely right. In the, in the, in the vast majority of cases, and I, I love the word you use, right, the harder emotions, the ones that feel really sticky, that feel, um, you know, that are, that are scarier, right, or can be scarier, the ones like, like um, guilt, like shame, like fear, like sadness, 
words, um, you know, like disgust, I mean, anger, those are, those are really, those are really hard for people to have and hard to sit with. And it, and it's, it's understandable that a big question mark would show up around, well, God, what do we do with these? How do we even understand them? Well, yes, and, and you actually made a, a real, make a really good point, and I want to go back to something you said a moment ago mm-hmm. where you had talked about where people have, a, have this negative view of emotions and they push yes. them away, yes. and you're saying that it actually makes them worse. Yes, yeah, so, it can. Mm-hmm. I mean, now I can go into the whole law of attraction, you know, <laughs> universe, woo-woo stuff, and I'm going to stay away from that for a moment, <laughs> but... but how do we make it worse when we don't look at them? We'll be like, um, okay, you go sit over there in the corner. I don't want to deal with you. Right, right. You're supposed to go over there in the corner, right? I, I, I appreciate that imagery. I think, um, well, first of all, I, I really want to um, – I really want to acknowledge and normalize um, how people can do that. Um, and, I, and I think it's, it's a very human thing to do. Um, you know, I, I think of the analogy of, of a hot stove, right, that, that if, if we touch a hot stove, the answer is to get away from it, right? The, the answer mm-hmm. is not to just keep our hand there and think <laughs> it's going to get better. And so it, it, it really resonates for me um, when, uh, when people question how trying to push something away uh, would be an ineffective response um, because holding a hand on a hot stove doesn't work. We need to move away from it. Uh-huh. Isn't, isn't moving away from feelings and try to, trying to put them in a lockbox, isn't that better? And um, you know what? Frankly, there are, um, there are times, and I think this can, be, this can be tricky for people a lot. Um, I, I think that one reason that people can have negative views of emotions um, or can adopt that strategy is because at some point in life they actually needed to. Um, you know, if you, if you think about it de- developmentally, um, there are many, many uh, people who they grew up in a situation where um, negative emotions or, or harder emotions were not modeled. So how do you know what to do with them? Uh, and uh, they were in situations where if they uh, expressed those hard emotions, they were either not supported or maybe even punished for it. Um, so so it's, it's, um, it would be understandable to also learn that, okay, maybe what I need to do is just try to distance myself from them because no one is there to hear me. Um, the challenge is that that works for a while, but it has a shelf life until it stops working. Um, and then yeah. those, those negative, you know, those harder emotions, um, they come knocking. And so when we, when we push something away, there are a number of things that can happen. We can have a, a boomerang effect where in, in trying to push something away, um, it actually can then um, uh, bring it up, bring it to mind more. It's kind of like um, one experiment that, that I like to do with people, and this is um, a famous experiment from the psychological literature, is uh, it's a white bear experiment. If you have somebody not think about a white bear uh-huh. um, and you try that, uh, the act of trying to not think about something, um, then you actually, the mind brings it up more. 
Um, and exactly. the, same is, the same is true of emotions, right? And I, I actually invite people to try it. Like if you set a stopwatch for 30 seconds and try to not think about a white bear or I like using a pink elephant. Um, yeah, I and do then, that too. Right? And then, I, and then yeah. try it again. Yeah, try it again with, an, an, with another 30 seconds, just allowing yourself to let whatever comes in, um, you know, by, by actually getting out of our own way and allowing ourselves to have the emotions that we have um, without starting by uh, trying to block them, but just making space to see what happens. Um, emotions have a way of, um, you know, uh, shifting or dissipating. And it's different from, from uh, trying to regulate emotions, right? There, there are times where if an emotion feels so intense and overwhelming, it doesn't mean that we don't try to, you know, help ourselves feel better. What we're talking about here is actually trying to block it away, to be hard on ourselves for having it, to not even give ourselves permission to feel it um, and to distance ourselves. And, and that, um, that winds up bringing it up more. And it also doesn't help us to see what information that emotion may be conveying to us. Well, first, I love the fact that, you, that you're actually saying that emotions can convey information because mm. they do. I mean, they do. And that, now, now, what I tell people is if the information that's conveyed can be a little bit murkier than one plus one equals two. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, it's not necessarily clean, and I think that's another reason why people struggle with them. But I also wanted to 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 restress what you said about um, people learning that it's not okay mm-hmm. to express emotion, mm-hmm. and I think that that's a, a really important point because we don't. It, Short of maybe when somebody is true, although if a two-year-old is throwing a temper tantrum, we're not really thrilled about the way that they're expressing their emotions. <laughs> right, but, right. But you know, to me, I, was, I can't remember where I was. I, I was out in public somewhere, and this little kid just started to laugh. Mm-hmm. And all I wanted to do was to bottle that laughter and go, okay, mm-hmm. so, it, so sometime when I'm feeling really bad, I just want to open that bottle and listen to it. Because it <laughs> was lovely. just, you know, I mean, and, I mean, it was just so free and just so wonderful, but we don't feel the same way when we hear a child cry. It, that, that's terribly upsetting. Yes. Um, you know, and, and we, we start training. I don't know what other word I can use. Training children that, oh, this is an okay thing to feel and that's not an okay thing to feel or, mm-hmm. you know, or, and, mm-hmm. and, and I think this is something that's, particularly important, especially for men, who it's okay to feel anger, it's not okay to cry. It's, it's like, it's like right. ah, and, and we're telling this to these little kids, and, they're, and, and by the way, we don't even have to say it to them directly. They'll yeah. pick it up. They you know. pick it up. They pick it up, and I think training is an excellent word. And you're really right about the the different messages that um, uh, that that have such a gendered lens uh, to them, right? That that uh, the idea of boys don't cry, right? But but it's okay to be angry. And then women get the message, you know, when they're growing up, that it's okay to be sad, um, but not angry. But not um, angry. You know, and 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 so uh, and so then uh, those messages, even though they're not directly conveyed, you're absolutely right. It doesn't have to be explicit for it to be incredibly powerful and effective. And you know, and again, this idea that 
emotions carry information. I was just mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar with Terry Real, but he, he does he's mm-hmm. up in he's up in the Massachusetts area. Yes. Yes he is. And he does something called relational life therapy and he was talking about I me mean, and I was listening to him and it's like and when he said this it was like, Okay, I know this stuff, so why is this hitting me as like an aha moment? Mm-hmm. When we're born, we don't have any cognitive ability. All we have is emotion. Right. But somehow, you know, and that's how we convey what's happening with us, whether we're laughing or crying or whatever. But, you know, the cognitive comes later. And so this mm-hmm. idea that we've just kind of, well, poo-poo, there's no place for emotion. It's like for the first minimum six months of our life, that's all we got. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Absolutely. It's, a, it's such a good point. And, it, and it's, also, it's also something that we are um, evolutionarily wired um, to be able to feel and express, I mean, the, the um, you know, we are so good um, at picking up other people's emotions. We have, um, you know, we have emotions that um, that we express. That the kinds of facial expressions we make in connection with emotion um, are, uh, you know, that there are certain characteristic kinds. There can be subtle differences, but there are certain char- characteristic signals that we send. Um, and they're connected with um, approach or avoidance tendencies, right? So, so for example, um, you know, uh, like anger um, is actually an approach emotion, right? It's, it's a way of if you, if you see, um, even in dogs, if you see two dogs that are about to fight, right, they're getting close to each other, right? It, it's a uh-huh. way of, of taking on this, this challenge, this affront. Um, but then fear, um, fear actually depending upon fight or flight, um, you know, it can turn into an approach emotion, but it's often an avoidance emotion, right, to try to get us away from um, whatever it is that the threat is. Um, and so these, these emotions are connected with a lot of survival advantages. If we didn't have them, um, if our ancestors didn't have them, um, arguably we would not be here today. Well, and I love you mentioning dogs because there's that recent, there's that recent information that um, – domesticated dogs, or before they were domesticated, but to become domesticated, developed this ability to create, they have an extra muscle that wolves don't have, so they can create their sad eyes. <laughs> oh, wow, I, I did not know that. That's fascinating. Yeah, so, That's it's, I mean, so designed to play on human emotion so they yeah. can survive. It's just, mm-hmm. so, yeah. So it's just another example of the, of the importance of emotions. So this yes. is Happily Ever After. is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking with psychologist and Harvard lecturer, Dr. Holly Parker, about the role of emotions in our lives. And I know that this is a hard subject for many people. Emotions are messy, and they're often difficult to feel, especially for men. And if this resonates with you and you want to do a better job understanding and dealing with your emotions, especially the hard ones, it's really possible. And I invite you to take a moment and get in touch with me. You can send me an email or give me a call and schedule your free, no obligation, the Hero Husband Project Transformation Session. I know that's a mouthful. Um, But you can reach me at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com, that's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, and is in Nancy, C is in charlie.com. Or you can reach me at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. 
And now I want to get back to this conversa- important conversation about emotions and what to do with them um, with Dr. Holly Parker. So Holly, what is the advantage to accepting emotions that we don't want to feel? That's a wonderful question. If if it, it is, and I think this you're you're really touching on um, what I what I do think is is the irony of it all is that actually if if we can accept the emotions that we don't want to feel what whatever those are it's actually ironically linked to experiencing them less. It's kind of like taking the wind out of their sails. Um, you know, mm-hmm. not not accepting and and um, you know heaping judgment on ourselves can just intensify them. So in the long run. Um, Emotional acceptance is something that's uh, linked to uh, better uh, emotional health overall. Um, and there, there are a few reasons to kind of go into a little bit more um, detail around that. Um, uh, when, um, when we accept our emotions, uh, one of the things that also happens is we, we're less likely to ruminate over them. Okay. Um, and, and, uh, and rumination can make people worse. And I, I think of rumination as kind of like the difference between running on a trail versus running on a treadmill. That, that, that in, in both cases, you know, it's like there, there's a lot of uh, effort that's happening. And so it's, it's not, you know, when people are ruminating, and, and this is, you know, something that, you know, we humans, we can certainly do. Um, but when, oh, yeah. when, we're, when we're, you know, I mean, when very human, when we're doing that, though, the, the challenge is it, it has the um, illusion of making us feel like, we are doing something and, and getting somewhere, right? And we're working really hard. We might be, mm-hmm. for example, thinking, well, gosh, why, why am I feeling this way? Why can't I stop feeling this way, right? How long am I ever going to feel this way, right? I mean, and right. so, so in, in doing that and ruminating over that, it can feel like, um, like we're, we're actually processing our feelings. It can feel like we're actually addressing it. But in fact, um, Thinking about um, kind of going over and over like on a treadmill of why am I feeling this way? Why can't I get out of it? Why can't I get out of it and feel like other people seem to feel? Um, what that does is it, it actually doesn't help us get closer to our feelings. In fact, we're processing things on a more uh, cognitive place. We're thinking rather than feeling. And, uh-huh. uh, and then we feel worse. Um, and so through acceptance, right, it's like kind of another one of those things where rumination gives us more of what we don't want as we're trying uh-huh. to get out of it. So by accepting what we feel, we're less likely to ruminate. Um, and we're less likely when we accept our feelings to have that boomerang effect that we talked about before where we, we have more of the feeling we don't want. Um, also, a- another thing is that um, if we accept our feelings, then we have now uh, done a very powerful, uh, we've taken a very powerful step in undercutting um, upsetting meta-emotions that add an extra layer. I tend to think of it as like a painful layer cake that can happen where, you you know, you've you've (laughs) got the thing. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, that sounds really appetizing. Right? Who doesn't want a painful layer cake, right? Oh, no one. Um, but but we can actually unintentionally find ourselves there because I think of the first layer as whatever the painful thing is that we're reacting to, or whatever it is we're reacting to. Then there's mm-hmm. that. Then there's that hard emotion that we're feeling that we don't want. And then when we we can have actually an emotion about the emotion we're feeling. So uh-huh. so an example that. Um, uh, that, that I 
wrote about and that I like to think about is, um, uh, for example, sadness. Um, if we view sadness as, let's say, a sign of weakness, um, then we might feel shame about feeling sad. Um, or if we think of anger as unacceptable, right, then we might feel shame or guilt about feeling anger. And so now we've got that third layer. Now not only do you have the sadness, but now you've got shame layered on top of it. Um, and mm-hmm. that really is a product of not accepting uh, the sadness. Um, and, and so acceptance can do that. And also when, when we accept an emotion, we're not getting in our own way with it. We're, we're allowing it some breathing room to be there. And like a messenger, like you, we're talking about with emotions having uh, information, it's like listening to a messenger. When we listen to that messenger, then it, it has less staying power. Um, as though the message is now heard, and it, uh, that emotion uh, is more likely to, um, to decrease um, or to shift into something else. Um, so it, it, emotions that we don't want tend to have a bit less staying power. Well, and that's really interesting because I know that one of the challenges with emotion, not, I mean, it's an individual have, might have a, an issue with their own emotions, mm-hmm. but then when they express them, Mm-hmm. and the person who they're expressing them to has an issue with their emotions. Yeah. Um, you know, it's like, oh, well, you don't feel that way, or it's stupid to yeah. feel that way, or yeah. whatever. So, it's, so, you know, it's kind of like, ah! Exactly, <laughs> yeah. That's right, yeah. And, that, and that certainly doesn't help. No, I mean, and then that adds in the, you know, the guilt and the shame of, oh, well, maybe, I, maybe there is something wrong with me because I feel this way because, mm-hmm. you know, and then, and it's the whole idea of trying to, well, am I normal? I mean, I cannot yeah. tell you how many times I've had clients say to me, am I normal for feeling this way? <laughs> That's like, right. Ah. It's like, That's if, right. It's like, if you're feeling it, it's normal. Yeah. But, you know, and, and because I think we've turned this thing into such a mystery. And because other people, especially strong emotions, m- make us uncomfortable, even, mm-hmm. even strong positive view of you know love happiness that kind of thing that can sometimes make us uncomfortable and 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 by the way if we've got somebody you know crying in the corner that really makes us uncomfortable Mm -hmm. yes so what are some ways i mean that an individual can i'm gonna i'm gonna ask this in two ways that that Mm -hmm. a person can accept and manage their own emotions but then and I'm going to assume that if I can do it with me, it's going to make it easier for me to do with other people. But yeah. is that a true statement? So, yeah, you know what? I, I think I, I love I love those two parts. Um, so so in terms of um, being able to uh, do it with oneself, um, I do agree that that being able to do it with oneself. Um, can often be a really important uh, component of being able to be there for someone else. Um, it may not always necessarily be enough. So, for example, mm-hmm. you could have someone who really, um, where they find that, that they, they allow other people to have emotion, and that's fine, and they will be there and they can comfort someone, but for them the rules don't apply. <laughs> and so oh, they won't. I, I can recognize that one. Oh, yeah. Right. Right, and mm-hmm. so someone actually could be beautifully supportive um, with other people and be there to comfort the person crying in the corner just as long as they're not the ones crying in the corner. 
Okay. Uh, so, so that's that's one piece. Another thing. So, is how that do we even help if, the person who's actually crying in the corner? <laughs> yes, I I think you know I've I've had people um, ask me, and, and I'm sure as you have as well, how. Um, what do I do? How do I support someone? Um, and, and the urge to try to be helpful um, mm-hmm. is it comes from such a beautiful place. And sometimes what can happen, though, and I think this is kind of this flips to the other, um, the other uh, side of things, is that what can happen sometimes is we can feel like, okay, so in order for me to be helpful, in order for me to be effective, I need to, and here it comes, I need to help this person, I need to fix their problem and help this person's emotion go away. Mm-hmm. And so uh, well-intentioned people can come in and, and try to fix it. They can point out the silver lining of things. Mm-hmm. They, can, you know, they can do a number of different things, and, and it comes from a really, a really um, beautiful place. Of, of wanting to help um, in, in the vast majority of cases, um, the challenge is, is that then um, the person doesn't have that space to be heard. And I think one of the things, one of the most powerful things someone can do, which I think is an example of less is more, is to simply say, you know, I really see that, that you're sad and having a hard time. I am so here. Do you want to talk about what's going on? Mm-hmm. And to just listen and to, and to meet that with, um, you know, expressions of understanding, right? That, that you can, you know, if you can try to get where the person's coming from, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and giving them, you know, asking them more about how they feel, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, really, really listening and letting them know it's okay to feel what they do. And it makes sense that they're feeling what they do. That in and of itself is so powerful, um, simply so being that, there and listening. Yes, yeah, so is that the way for, for me as an, as an individual to process my feelings is to share it with, with somebody who's supportive? Um, yeah, I think, mm-hmm, I'm sorry, go ahead. Or is, or is there another way, and if I don't have that, if, if yeah. there is not somebody in my life who I, you know, I mean, that's the other thing is, you know, this whole vulnerability. Thank you, Brene Brown. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. of, of, you know, because it's scary to open up. It's like, you know, yeah. do I know, how do I know it's going to be okay? So is there a way that I can process it on my own, or do I always need somebody else? I love that point. Um, you know, it, uh, the, the nice thing about um, support and, and, and self-care um, is, is that, and when it comes to responding to emotions, is that there are multiple right answers. Um, yeah. And so, you know, there are multiple right answers. So, so it, uh, it doesn't have to be um, on, only about uh, navigating emotions with oneself, and it doesn't always have to be um, about sharing them to be able to meaningfully process them. Um, you know, for example, there's um, literature on people who do uh, what's called expressive writing, um, where they they write about their feelings related to an experience, um, and that you know, and that when they do that, um, especially if they do that from their own perspective. Um, or from another perspective, that, that that actually, that kind of processing um, of allowing room for their own authentic feelings and thoughts can actually, uh, is connected to people feeling better. And so, um, so it doesn't have to be only with someone, but, but certainly having someone bear witness 
I mean, it, it's so healing to have that human contact. It's so healing to, to have someone say, I hear you. Um, it makes sense. Tell me about this. I care about you. I'm with you. You're not alone. Um, and you're right. It is a tremendous risk uh, to do that. And, you know, I think that one, um, one way of gauging that is, is I, th- I think about trust um, being on a spectrum. And so, uh, you know, a way to kind of gauge that is see what people, you could see what people do in response to sharing things that are maybe a little less vulnerable. That's certainly never a guarantee that they're going to, um, you know, to, to be really supportive when something more vulnerable is involved. But that can be, that can be a gauge. Um, you know, if, if, if you want to kind of test the waters in a way that feels safe, um, or safer and more approachable, um, you know, you can, you can kind of get a sense of that. Just like in relationships, we, we do as humans, we, we get a gauge of, um, of the level of trust that we can have. And if you ask a room full of people to think about um, whether they have equal trust of everyone in their lives across everything, um, you're going to see people say no, right, that, that that really varies. And so I think the same is true in terms of uh, what you decide to open up about and who you let into your inner world. Um, I think that um, certainly uh, talking to a therapist is another wonderf- wonderful way um, of doing that. If there isn't someone at this point who feels like a safe support, um, and, and in terms of doing things on one's own, um, one thing that, that I would actually um, – I, I would invite people to do that I, I think can be helpful is to uh, start by, by really um, uh, asking yourself, what do I feel about different feelings? Just try to start to get a roadmap of, um, of your own meta-emotions and to see, well, okay, are there, are there any that I actually am tagging as off-limits and, and what are they? And, um, and not, from a, not from an intellectualized place, right? Because I, I think that as humans, we can easily go to this place of, well, in principle, I don't have a problem <laughs> with feeling any emotions, right? I should be allowed to feel whatever I want. No, I mean going to that deeper, mm-hmm. real place, that authentic place where even if intellectually we think, sure, we can have any emotion we want, what do we really feel? And well, to just, you know, give ourselves permission to drop down in the, to that and notice because that can also be a place to, um, like a really good starting place to figure out, okay, where might I want to work on practicing acceptance? Um, it is very likely that, that acceptance is needed maybe more with some emotions than others because some, you know, you, you may already be having a lot of acceptance around them. Well, and I, and I love that. And, and I also want to tell people, it's like, you can do this in little steps. You don't have yes. to spend hours. Just like spending yes. maybe five minutes. Absolutely. It, I mean, and, and when you're describing this, when you were talking about this at the beginning, it was like, wow, this is like desensitization therapy. You know, if I'm afraid of flying, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's what you do with, you know, it's, it's the training that we do with phobias. It's like, okay, let me, let me just expose myself a little bit to this feeling and see what happens, you know. Yeah, and, and you know what, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned that because that's actually, um, you know, that would even be, um, even with the, the meta-emotion, even if, even if the idea of, of exposing yourself to a feeling, if that feels like too much, even just um, noticing a, a, a feeling label, right? Like, for example, okay. um, I feel blank about feeling angry. What comes up? I uh-huh. feel blank about feeling sad. 
what, what shows up? And so if, if somebody notices, wow, I feel threatened by feeling yeah. angry, that doesn't mean they have to then you know, start to feel angry yet if they're <laughs> not ready. That's okay. That's okay. But they can, they can actually begin to notice, um, huh, okay, so um, this, is, this is something that I might want to think about. And, and then, yeah, as you're saying, even you know, if, it's, if it's allowing yourself uh, permission to feel something for you know, a minute even before mm-hmm. you go back and do, you know, do what you might do to push something away. Um, or even if that means when an emotion comes up, if you can start to challenge that, that inner voice that criticizes you or even question it, right? So if a voice says, well, you're not supposed to be sad, that's weak, to even mm-hmm. stop and say, okay, so, huh, let me see if I can examine that um, in a different light. Um, what makes it weak, because mm-hmm. we, as humans, we can be really good, and we can all do this, is that we, we have um, these powerful beliefs that show up, and we don't kind of examine we them in a different them. Yep. We never question them, no. So, so even, if, even if someone's not ready to feel something, to just begin to question, huh, so why, why is it that it's not okay for me to feel this? What are my underlying assumptions around this? I love my, this, and how we could continue this conversation, mm-hmm. but fortunately we've run out of time. So can you please share where people can learn more about this because it is such an important topic. Uh, thank you so much. They can find, uh, they can find out more about it um, on uh, Psychology Today. I have, a, um, I have a blog there called Your Future Self, um, and, uh, and they can uh, look up uh, the irony of emotional acceptance, and they can find uh, the article there. Um, and then I also take the articles um, that, uh, that I write, and I put them on my, uh, my own blog page as well, on my own website, which is uh, drhollyparker.com. Well, great. And so what I want people to know is that whether you want to admit it or not, emotions exist. Whether you want them or not, they exist. And as you've heard today, they will make their presence felt despite your best efforts to hide them. And they're much easier to understand and manage if, they, if you actually invite them into your life. And you and your relationship will be happier and healthier if you do. So hopefully you found today's show helpful, and I hope you keep listening. And until next week, stay loving.